Henry sisters on the 9th of June 1862 on a summer's afternoon I took the bus to Bamberg's and she was heavy laden Away we went along Collingwood Street that's on the road to Bladen Hello and welcome to CHN Radio episode 101. This is another great day because now we are talking about Mormon. Elijah and I love talking about Mormon. You can follow me. I'm your esteemed host at And then you could follow Elijah if you wanted to. But for him to give you more information on that, I'm going to have to introduce him. The best damn co-host in the land. Elijah Newsom. Yes, Elijah Newsom here. Um, yeah, I'm just excited to be here. Um, I was talking about this with Greg earlier. Um, if you want to follow me on Twitter, I'll, I'll start tweeting about the Mr. Rogers movie because it changed my life. So I'll be tweeting about that at Elijah underscore Newsom. Mm. And everyone should see it unless you're like blind and deaf because then I don't, I don't think you'd go to a movie. No, not, no, unless there was, like, some sensory thing that you could. Yeah, like a 4D movie. Yeah. I think I just canceled myself. I'd probably, someone's going to cancel me on Twitter tomorrow. The culture vultures are coming, Elijah. They are. They're coming, they're circling. (laughs) Yep, it's going to be bad. That was, I dug myself a hole there. Speaking. The color stands are going to be all over me. (laughs) Damn, there's a lot to listen to this podcast. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> so we have a very important announcement to make because today, um, and by design, because we said when we started this podcast, we said we were going to record on Mondays and Thursdays uh, because we knew that Newcastle's 127th anniversary would fall on the day that we record. And here it is. Happy birthday, Happy 127th birthday to Newcastle United. Yeah. Um, it's been a great 127 years. Um, I've only been alive for 22 of those years. So, yeah. Yeah, that's wild. Club is the 105 club is, years older than you. Yeah. Uh, they <laughs> might as well they might as well uh, invite me to their birthday party. There's no actual connection there. I just, like, there needs to be some sort of club birthday party every year too yeah that'd be sick you know we can't just tweet you know a graphic doesn't do the club justice you know do something for the fans get out in the community i don't know they should you know what kind of banger would have to have to have a 127th banger i mean come on i mean it would be lit as they say Mm. all right so getting into the news we have some interesting news to start with. Old boy Daryl Murphy is on oh. a six-week suspension because he likes the Booga Shooka. Wait, I thought it was six games. Oh, wow, it was six weeks. Six weeks. So the FA actually has a pretty good policy where they don't release the names of people that fail drug tests. Oh. Uh, but Daryl Murphy just like, yeah, I brought cocaine. 
Well, that's honestly that's a good move by him because yeah. that raises his street cred. It's yeah. like, hey, I wasn't I wasn't doping. Just letting you know, I was doing cocaine, which is like the the, the coolest hard drug you can do. Yeah, and he like and he he's had a like he hasn't. He's, it's not like he's a repeat offender. Like he's had a pretty clean career, so he just got caught with this one, and and it came into light because he like. Like he wanted to, I guess the last international break wanted to get caught up and he didn't and hasn't played and people are like, what's going on? Um, so he just said, yeah, this is what happened. <laughs> well, okay. I'll just, just leave it at this. Um, I think it, I wouldn't say he's not, I think he, okay. He's not a repeat offender in a sense. He hasn't been caught, but he definitely does cocaine regularly. Oh yeah. You don't just like. You're not 36 years old and just, oh, this is my first time. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and if you do, you're, like, super careful about it. And you're doing it, like, during the off season, Like, you're, like. Yeah. Just yeah. not when you're going to get drug tested. Like, mid-season cocaine is just, like, that's that's a wild Apparently, uh, risk. well, actually, I, I might be wrong here. So you'll, you'll have to look into it to read more if. If anybody's yep. interested, but I don't think he was drug tested. I think he was caught with it. Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, the bold of you to assume that we're gonna do any uh, any research on this. So yes, I am bold. The next yeah. thing. I have, oh, emergency news. Oh, breaking news or emer- what? What is emergency news? Um, news that I've just I've I meant to write in there, but I just forgot to. Okay, so it's not really breaking because it's not a news story. Got it. But, got it. Um, I was yeah. excited. I was like, "Wait, what's happening?" <laughs> <laughs> well, Rafa Benitez has uh was on Sky today. I think I think it was Sky doing like the post game or pre game or something like that. Um, but they asked him about uh of uh, him returning to Premier League with, like, Everton looking for a new manager and um, Arsenal looking for a new manager. Um, and he said that he not he's not planning on returning to Premier League this season. So, that is your your big news. That was it. That was it. <laughs> and he also I feel said like he's people happy would... for Newcastle and Steve Bruce. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I just think that people would have said something if we didn't mention it because everyone seems to be talking about it on the interwebs, so... Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, congrats, Rafa. Glad to see you in the island of the United Kingdom. Yeah. Home. Home, yes, home. Uh, next up, we're going to talk about just how just generous Newcastle United are as a club. And owner mm. Mike Ash- Ashley, just, he just wants to give away free tickets. You know, it's true. He just wants to fill the seats. Elijah, what you got on this? Zero um, so to fill the ground. Well, let's let's take you back to the end of of yesterday's match, mm-hmm. um, where Steve Bruce and his presser. It was announced Newcastle had uh, like a forty two thousand um, was the attendance. Which, if you looked at the stadium, I mean, it barely looked like it was thirty seven, thirty eight k. It was the um, lowest it, home league crowd in nine years for Newcastle. It's true, and that's announced, which we've talked about yeah. on this podcast, the difference between announced and turnstile. Yeah. But uh, anyway, um, Steve Bruce mentioned, like, he, he made a comment about the club might have to get involved, and then the club did get involved, 
and they're offering uh, free half-season memberships to current season ticket holders. So it's first come, first served, and it's essentially like you can get an extra ticket membership. Yeah. Um, and so it's been met with the mixed, um, with mixed re- like response. I think there's uh, there's an element of of Twitter um, kind of led by Mark Douglas who thinks that this is an interesting idea and that it's a somewhat good idea and a good effort from the club. Um, I think there's a bigger element of people who recognize this is just, I guess, Ashley being a little rattled in his boots. Um, and then there's like just people who are just basically just hating on this entire thing. Um, but uh, out of those people, Tune for Change, as we know, one of the supporters group, they released a statement Um and it says, following the lowest attendance at St. James Park for a league match since November 2010 at the weekend, the club has announced today that it will give away free half-season tickets in a desperate move from a hierarchy that is clearly on the ropes. The thousands of empty seats week in and week out at St. James Park are a result of supporters vowing not to return to the stadium until Ashley sells our football club. These same empty seats are an ongoing PR disaster for Mike Ashley, whose sports brand is now associated with an unhappy fan base that has been left with no option but to boycott their own stadium for emotional, not financial reasons. Today's move from the club is nothing more than a way to try to win over supporters. We will continue to call on fans to stand on their run and remember that every empty seat sends not only... No, what? This is a terrible translation of this. That every empty seat not only sends a message regarding Ashley, but it also makes St. James a less attractive proposition for broadcasters like Sky and BT. This is typical Ashley is hoping that yet again we will just forgive and forget while applying his bargain bin business model to Newcastle United. Greg, what are your initial thoughts on this? Yeah, from uh, it, you just got to look at, it, at all the sides from the club perspective. They have to do something because uh, you're, you're just you have just a ton of revenue, just not a, a ton of available revenue, just not being taken advantage of. Mm-hmm. So they're going to obviously try to do whatever they can to make sure that they can get as much money as they can. And then for the fans, it's the reason why it's there is, is what, I mean, we, we said we'd be surprised if it ever happened. And that's part of the reasons why Newcastle supporters are the way they are. Cause they're loyal to a fault, but They've actually made a difference, and I think it's it's a direct correlation to why the club is making this decision. But so <clears throat> I, I would say, like, do whatever you think is necessary. I saw like war flags were like, should we come back? Like, well, they didn't really say that, but somebody said asked them to come back, and they said, what did you think? And I'm like, just do what you said you would do. And but the people that are boycotting, like, it is working. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, it, it, you're getting to the point where it is put up or shut up. And, and, I mean, timing alone, obviously, like, I don't think Newcastle could have planned this timing. But it, it's, it is hard to, it. this is really hard now to stay away from, one, a Newcastle team that has been the best home performing team uh, for Newcastle in a, in yeah. a while. Um, and, two, a team that is in the top ten Um and has a lot of likable players. Um, Miggy, St. Gucci Max, Fabian Scher, 
John Joe's back in good graces with the fans. So it, it is tougher to boycott. And, I mean, these next few weeks um, going into the January window um, are going to be key uh, to see if Newcastle fans are really, really about it. Like, it, it is going to be tough to stay away from uh, some of these Newcastle matches uh, because they're performing well. And um, it's not something we're used to. And I think before this most recent match, we, we talked about this on the last episode. You could say that we were inconsistent. So you, it was kind of easier to justify and blah, blah, blah. But now it's kind of like, okay, this is how we play and it works. So we'll see. We'll see how long it lasts. Um, I think there is going to be a spike in attendance because I think people are going to take advantage of this, um, this free half season thing uh, because it's free. But... I don't know if it's. I don't think it's going to be the same people who are boycotting by any means. I think it's just the people who are already there. Yeah, that's who it rewards. Yeah, yeah, it rewards the people who have been showing up um, that haven't canceled their season ticket. Yeah. Uh, okay. Again, do whatever you want. I mean, it's it's your money. It's your ticket you bought or your ticket you canceled. So you do whatever you want. And then for some people, that's going. Some people, that's boycotting and. I don't know. I mean, us in the states, we I've been streaming all the games illegally, so I don't really know if that that helps or hurts the club. <laughs> it doesn't do it doesn't help. Okay. Now, let's get into BS meter. All right, so the first one up is a uh, this would be a youth team signing. Um Portuguese player I'm going to butcher the hell out of this. Um, Machoy Yalo, I'm going to guess. Um, and he plays for um, Pacos de Ferra. Uh, he's a winger, uh, plays on both the right. He can also he can play on the right wing, and he can also play in the central midfield. Um, very. His comparison is, is Sadio Mane, 16 years old, um, Technically a Portuguese player, but is also an African player. Um, his strengths, super fast, expert, you know, dribbling kind of guy. Similar to Alan St. Maxman, actually. Um, but yeah, a little stronger, though. Um, but has a little bit of flair and probably be a lot faster. But is only 16 years old, and he is he was the youngest player ever to appear in the Portuguese top division when he... When he oh, wow. uh, played against Benfica in August, and he's played pretty decently this year in the Portuguese league, so the next logical step um, is, you know, a bigger uh, team. Um, whether you think that's Newcastle, um, I think Everton are also interested, and Juventus are interested. Um, this isn't João Felix. He's not that level, <laughs> but he is a guy who, you know, could potentially ease his way into I could I think it's possible for him to make a first team appearance at a at a club somewhere over the next couple seasons at least before he's 19 I think he'll have a first team appearance at a quote bigger club. So yeah, BS meter. Oh, he would cost he's valued around 5 million euros. Uh I think the I think this is I think we just wasted about 3 minutes of something that would never happen at Newcastle United. Oh, I, <laughs> that's I, how I much BS I have. Three minutes. Oh man, uh, I thought it was more like two and a half. But okay, <laughs> I, I yeah, I, 
when when you're a player of this caliber, you're at these big clubs. You're going to be looking at their youth youth facilities first and their youth system. And there's nothing there's nothing to currently say. Like, yeah, we could say like, oh, but look at Andy Carroll and look at Paul Dummett, look at the Longstaff. It's not going to light a spark for this guy who's going to move to a completely different country to to commit to playing football long term mm. he's going to do it at at a at a bigger club with a more successful academy and on the flip side though greg you could just lie and say that he's going to get first team ends, which could <laughs> potentially be a truth uh yeah <laughs> i i i don't think this I, it's, I don't think this would ever happen. I don't think so either, but I'm going to definitely look him up on FIFA and see what his potential is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, come Have on. To. I'm Have not going to not do that. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then here's an interesting one that Greg actually sent me earlier in the week. Um, but there there's talks that Newcastle are considering um, doing a buyout for Jack Colback and Henri Saive. Um, buyouts are a little bit uncharacteristic of Newcastle. Um it doesn't make sense in this situation for Jack Colback because I, I'm pretty sure his contract runs out next summer. Henri Saive, however, his contract runs out in 2021. Um, unless Jack Colback has some secret clause in his contract, which he might because his contract is literally highway robbery. Um, so, yeah, Greg, thoughts on this? Yeah, I, I mean, congrats to Colback and Saive because <laughs> they're about to get paid. Um, but yeah, you got this, this is pretty telling to me that we need to come up with creative ways to create money for January and like things like this is just something that shows to me like, okay, we really need to do something here. So like, let's just like offload their contracts. So that way we know we can afford weekly salaries for the rest of the year. Like that's what it's saying to me. I mean, I think for me, it's more about, and I mean, I mean, because the money's spent and it's going to be spent regardless. So I don't know if you're saving money by, like, buying these guys' contracts out, or and, and you're not offloading them per se. It's it'd be a buyout because there's no interest. I think it's just about it's it's about the fact that th- this is wasted space on 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 the team, and it's like you can't loan these guys out. Um, so the best, the only thing you can do in order to bring in fresh talent, whether that is, you know, some gambles on some younger central midfielders or getting an established veteran striker, I don't know, it doesn't matter, but this allows you to do that, um, and bring in some guys, maybe sign some guys on a free, um, there's talks that Steve Bruce has done that in the past, he's kind of, not, I wouldn't say notorious for, uh, finding some guys to sign on a free, but, when you operate in lower divisions like he has in the past, he's very involved in the free agent market. And so this allows us to do things like that as well as sign people who you think could actually be productive um, sooner rather than later. And so, yeah, I don't know. It should be interesting. Um, I mean, I just hope we see the end of Jack Callback. I mean, just <laughs> I, th- I don't think there's a player that's more universally hated in the Northeast than him. So. Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking of of one, <laughs> and I can't. <laughs> there, I sorted, <laughs> sorted. <laughs> uh, cool. Well, 
All right. Do you have anything else? I don't. Um, Kel Watts got injured. Wait, really? Yeah. Oh wow, that's um, how far out of it I've been. Yeah, no, I mean, it just happened today. I think. Um, now I don't I'm, know. Now you're making me actually like look up information on this. Um, but he got a knee injury and returned to, uh, I guess, Benton. And um, yeah, that was that's kind of it. Not much is known about the knee injury. Um, but he, he, yeah, so he's back in Newcastle right now, um, okay. from his loan from Stevenage, but he's, after he recovers, he's going to go back to Stevenage. Yeah. So, but yeah, there you go. Kel Watts currently injured. So I don't think it's a long-term injury though. Okay, good. I'll yeah. check up on that. I... It's also That's... one of those things where it's like there's what maybe two matches in Rust in 2019. So it's like if someone's injured, you might as well send them back to their home club for treatment. I mean, that way they're home for the holidays, all that kind of crap. And then, boom, yeah, get it back going in, in January, February, whatever. Um, cool. I well, just, I just changed your life there, man. Nathan Harker's back from his loan spell as well. I don't really know what that was about either. That was a uh, weird one to me. I can tell you what that's about is he's about to have to find a new club. That's okay, so we're about to release him. He 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 had he played for one month and then got benched because it was awful. He was averaging like giving up four goals a game, and this is at life. And oh. then they replaced him, and he hasn't played since. Man. So. So he That's literally tough. played every match in August and was miserably bad, and then he's been out since. Yeah. Yeah. So. But yeah, there's going to be a few people out because a few people only went on six month loans. So stay tuned. Oh. Um, we good? We good to go to our three points? Um. Three, oh yeah. Yeah. I thought, I thought you were saying. I thought you were trying to say three words, and you end up saying three points. But then I realized, oh wait, we actually won. So <laughs> yeah. I guess it doesn't matter what you were trying to say; it works. But we are going to do three words, and oh. we're going to do that right after this break. Mm. Okay, we beat Southampton. Duh, duh. I have to say that's two times I predicted us to lose one nothing. Got six points from it. Yeah, it's also stay on the strain, I think. <laughs> just shout out to me for recognizing that hey, Southampton is a team that just does not beat Newcastle. They're just unlucky against us and I picked us to win. So, shout out to me. Yeah. Wait. Oh no, you picked a draw against Sheffield, right? I did. Uh uh I see. But I got I got that I, I said we would score. Which is big. So. Yeah, that's, I mean, congrats. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. I was waiting for you to say congrats. So, yeah. <laughs> so, the three words. Yes, the three words. Every match, right after the match, not during, we ask you to come up with three words, describe the match, and you guys always deliver. Thank you for that. So, Let's hit you with the three words. We have Trevor Mooney at Trevor Mooney 12 says, Brucey's moderately shite. That was great. 
uh, Don at Smick Ultra, and Andy John Joe Magic, Jeff Can at Jeff Can Four, John Joe Golden Boot, Toon Army Denver at Mile High Magpies, the Joelington New Riviere. That's a good one. Mm. And one lost muffin. He yeah. came back. Back from the dead. And he said, gotta love it. And then posted a picture of us ahead of Arsenal. Which yeah. we still are, by the way. Uh, we're not. We're not. Yeah, I would say it. I think they yeah. are now back ahead of us. Goal difference. So wait, now we're not in the top 10 anymore. No, we're not. What are we now? We're 11. Damn it. Yeah. So close. Yeah, we're five points off goal difference from Arsenal and nine points off of Sheffield. But, I mean, goals off, not points off. Sorry. Well, we just need to have a match where we win, like, 9 nothing. Yeah, that, I mean, that's it. That's all we need. Yeah, that's it. Um, so, that, that was a lot of three words, but they were all pretty awesome. And... So let, let's uh, let's dive right into it. So there was an interesting little lineup situation that we had here, wasn't it, Elijah? So sure. what was your biggest takeaways from when the lineup was announced? Um, I mean, Joel Linton was back, so that was good. I was kind of expecting that. Um, mm-hmm. Because Andy Carroll still cannot play. I mean, he hasn't played more than 70 minutes. Actually, I don't think he's played 70 minutes at all. Uh, so, yeah, I don't think I just, so either. Yeah, so I, I'm not that surprised that he uh, didn't make the start. I think I, there's still just a lot of people who have not put two and two together. Where it's like we have two viable options at the striker position for Newcastle. One of them cannot play 70 minutes, and one of them seems to be experiencing the worst run of form in his career. Uh, and so it's like, you just pick your poison. Do you yeah. want the guy that will not last you the whole match, or do you want the guy that will last you the whole match, work hard, but not it won't result in any goals? So it's uh, it's the classic Iose Perez versus uh, Hasselu situation. Yeah. Um. Yeah, we we both said that we would expect it a little bit more uh, rotation, and once again, that didn't really happen. Oh, and, and you know what happened because of that, Greg? What? Newcastle picked up another injury. It's like, I don't know. It, it It's very annoying because you could have rotated, especially with how we've played, and I get that you don't want to lose on key players, but it's just at a certain point, man, it is. It's a bit ridiculous. Yes, St. Kuchimak was pulled up right at the end of the, the match, which looked like hammy all the way. Left uh, on crutches, never a good yeah. sign. Yeah, I mean, usually, that, except for that not. one time we thought DeAndre Yedlin tore his ACL and then he, like, played the next match. Yeah. He's, like, on crutches, couldn't get down, couldn't put any weight on his knee, and then it's like, it was like a, it was like he had a bruise on his knee and played <laughs> the next match. It was, it was all-time gaff by us. Yeah. Um, but we made it. We, we did. did it. Yeah, so this is... Uh, it's it's a beautiful thing, how we're playing, and it's how that I've been saying that we need to keep doing. Uh, so we'll, we'll dive right into it. It was... 
<clears throat> we came out in our 3-4-2-1, and it was Sankuchi Max and Amron playing just behind Jolinton. And we were kind of sloppy earlier, and then we just bunkered on in. And it was, like, it was a very boring first, like, I don't know, 30 minutes, maybe 20 minutes. It was a very boring match. Yeah. Dubrovka made some great saves, but it was just Saints dominating possession. Uh, they were, they had a bunch of corners. They were uh, just like, like we were making them look like they were like tiki-taka experts, but like they just could break us down, which is the trend <laughs> with everyone that we play, unless we make the mistake and... We went to halftime. I mean, I didn't. I don't really have anything noticeable to me in the first half that's like worth like this was a big moment. Besides, like Dubrovka bailing us out a few times. Yeah, no. Is, is um, there anything it's for you? Pretty boring. Yeah, yeah it was yeah. an awful forty-five minutes just all around. I mean, this um, match. This is going to be our shortest review of the season because this is quite possibly. One of the most boring wins. Well, I've we ever did seen. have a nil-nil draw. That has to be the problem. Well, I said, I know you. This is that's why you got to listen, to Greg. I said this is one of the most boring wins I've seen from us. Uh, well, you yeah. said shortest match review. That's what I was. Oh, okay, okay. Referencing because, oh, okay. like, we were like, we're not even going to talk about it because it was a nil-nil draw. <laughs> that's fair. <laughs> but that was that when we still did reviews and previews, though. No, no, no. That was uh, that was like I, I'm not gonna look it up. Okay, I just, <laughs> I just, I, I wonder what our shortest podcast episode is. Someone yeah. look it up for us and then tweet it at us. We ask people to to look stuff up and tweet at us. We never get it. It has happened zero times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. So the second half, there was a little bit of a switch, and I wanted to notate this because Cher moved to the right center back position. For the second half. Well, he then, came on, which was... Oh, yeah, yeah. I probably should have said that. So he didn't start. <laughs> he was subbed on uh, for Clark and then was moved to the right center back position. And then Fernandez was moved to the middle. And... Uh, why am I... Uh, Dummett, I think, yeah, was on the other side. <clears throat> and it was um, right, right at the start... It was like we we were shaky for both starts. Willems was a little shaky. He didn't have that great of a day, and like we like I feel like we were just breaking down defensively. And then the goal happened where Cher just I mean that that was all on Cher like that goal in my opinion. Uh, it was just it was awful. It was it was just a long ball by Stevens I think, and um, and he just crushed it through the middle of the pitch. And then, like, Cher ducked out of the way, it looked like. Like, he could have easily just headed it away. But he ducked out of the way. And then it bounced through, and Ings was already past Fernandez. Fernandez tried to slide in and stop him, but uh, Ings put it right under Dubrovka, and it's one nothing Saints. Your thoughts, Elijah? I think it was more of a lapse in communication with the back line. Cher playing in that line for the first time. I mean, that particular setup for the first time this season. Um, and I think, you know, maybe, you know, if that's LaSalle's instead of Fernandez, he's trusting LaSalle's to be the more athletic individual and 
beat Danny Ings that ball, especially because Danny Ings isn't really a spry fox himself. So um, I really think it was a, a small mental lapse. I don't know if that's something I would be concerned about um, with Cher going forward. I think it was just a, a minor mental lapse, and it happened. And that was the most dangerous Southampton looked, and they converted their most dangerous chance. Well, actually, yeah. second most dangerous chance because, like, later on, they, like, had a – when Paul Dummett was, like, getting his face fixed, they, like, had, like, a corner maybe. It was either a corner or just a set piece where, like, they legitimately missed a header from four yards out. But that's not important. Yeah. Uh, Cher also had another awful, awful and almost goal, but Dubrovka parried the shot away uh, just, like, a few minutes after this goal, too. Um and, you know, just getting back into the swing. Of he, he, yeah, he was just very – he was slow. Like, when, when he was subbed on, he was just very slow in reaction. But, like, it is different practice from game time. So, uh, it, he definitely needed to get into the swing of things. Uh, then we brought Carroll on. It was – Jolton came off. He, he was just completely not noticeable again. Uh, he wasn't even – like, we didn't – he doesn't get chances. So, like, it's not even like, oh, I, we can't even compliment his hold-up play because he doesn't really get a chance to hold it up. <laughs> um, so, it was just invisible performance for him. And then Carroll came on and he completely changed the game. He did. Like, I, which I never thought I would actually say unless he we brought him on in, like, the 85th minute to score a winner and he did it. Like, that's the only time I expected, like, us to say this. But he put in, like, an, a, like a hell of an effort for a solid 30 minutes and completely changed the chances. And like, he was the catalyst in my opinion uh, for us to get the win. <clears throat> he was working with Shelby. He was flicking the ball to Almiron. He was flicking the ball to St. Gucci max. He was all over the place. And just a mere 10 minutes after he comes on goal, John Joe three in a row. Bang, bang. True. Chasing Vardy. Yeah, it, it was, it was not in the way that you would say that John Joe would be scoring goals. You'd think it'd be a banger from 30 yards out. But in this one, it was he, It was a free kick from John Joe to Carroll at the back post. And Carroll take it, took it and went out wide. And then Carroll just turned around and just like – it was a this beautiful little cross that he threw out there. And Shelby, you could just see it coming from the camera angle. You just see his bald head just running in the box unmarked. And then he gets on the back of a defender and just cannons it in the net. And that was beautiful. 1-1. Elijah, take us to it. Yeah, uh, the Carroll-Shelby synergy is unreal. Two straight games with assists from Carroll to Shelby. Um, Are we calling them Kelvy or Cheryl? Neither. I I think I just got, like, a tumor from hearing you say Man, that. Man, I think Cheryl might be... Nope, let's just not do that. S-H-A-R-R-O-L-L? Um, please, let's just Cheryl? never... I'm, I'm going to cry. Let's, let's do Cheryl, and then somebody makes both of their faces together with a bald head but with a ponytail. Oh, my Back. God. Okay, well, <laughs> this has gone off Cheryl! the rails. This is a disaster. Cheryl, the best Newcastle duo. Gosh, um, yeah, that's honestly all I have to say about the goal because <laughs> Greg has absolutely it. ruined it. Yeah, I mean it's just done. I will say this about Carroll: he fits what 
Steve Bruce is trying to do tactically, um, similar to how Rondon fit what Steve Bruce is trying to do, well, what Rafa was trying to do tactically, it's just really unfortunate that um, Joel Linton gets the short end of the stick here because, like, he is a player that would much rather want the ball at his feet, and instead he's having to do hold-up play, which is not a bad thing, but it just is not his game. And so you're just seeing the effects of that. And he's a guy who, if you're going to play a counterattacking style of football, he's a guy you want super involved, you know, helping ping balls out to guys in the break, almost as a false nine. But we don't have the tactical prowess to do that. So yeah. um, he's just kind of screwed. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah, so so the match matches kind of continued on. Dummett got bloodied up as Elijah referred to. Um, and like it was long. Yeah, it was Bertrand. It's Bertrand. Long headed it or nodded it on to Bertrand, who headed it over the bar from like like four yards, you would say. Like, yeah, it was just not. It was just a very bad chance. And Dummett was out a while, but he, he was gashed up. I think he needed stitches on his lip. No, he and did. He, he tweeted he, out a picture of it. Yeah. It was gross. He tweeted a picture, and I don't know how much you follow hockey. You don't have a, a team in your city anymore. I hate to bring that up for you. But I'm, I'm also sorry. black, so there's well, that. Hey, there's a strong rise in black hockey players now, so yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that's a thing. Strong is an overstatement there. No, right? it is. Like There's a, there's a lot more now, even yeah, from I two mean, years ago. There's more, but it's not like there's. It's not like we're at fifty percent, you know. Oh no, no, no. Yeah, but we're still. we're still at like there's like fifteen guys, which is great. It's progress. There's probably more than that. There is probably more, and it helps <laughs> um, that PK is is putting in a good work. PK yeah. Subban, who people forget, is dating Lindsey Vaughn. Yeah, just PK let that sink. Has in. a he's he's the man. Yeah, uh, but anyway, when anyway. hockey players post these pictures of like their faces after injuries, have you seen any of these? Oh yeah. Okay, so like that's I'm not taking anything away from Paul Dummett, <laughs> but like I've just seen guys with like there was a guy literally like this is not even a month ago who got nine teeth knocked out from taking a puck to the face, had two black eyes, a broken nose, like stitches all over his face. And still, like, he got stitched up and came in to play the game later in that third period. And, like, I was just like, and then I see, see like, Dummett's just, like, lip gash. And I was like, but Dummett did and, come in to play, too. And I love how he was, he, like, the caption was, like, it was worth the win or something like that. I'm yeah. Like, Dude, I, I mean, this like, is, it, I get it. It for sure hurt. It definitely yeah, it hurt. it definitely hurt. And yeah. we're, we're not professional athletes, so we're not going to take away. Like, we understand that it hurt, but it's just... In comparison to everything else, this is just like such a blip on the radar. Yeah, it, it's funny because like ho- hockey people always like throw that down people's throats. Like when a person like twists an ankle in, in any sport, they're like, "Oh, here's a picture of a guy getting his throat slashed." <laughs> it's like Jesus, yeah. my gosh! Here's, here's, here's a picture <laughs> of a guy who's actually dead on the ice. Like, it's, no. he still played the game. Yeah, I was like, okay, all right, he we get it. The period. <laughs> we get it. He's dead now, but like, yeah. <laughs> but here's a dummit for going out there and yeah, you know, fighting on. Um, 100%. <laughs> and then, so then this was the interesting part to me. So we subbed off Almiron for Longstaff, which I was 
I'm, I'm happy with that. He should have also – we didn't have enough subs. Um, I Do you know why – actually, this is a good question. Do you know why we subbed Barkoff? Oh, a, a knock is what oh, Lee Ryder was oh. saying was it looked like he picked up some sort of knock right oh. before the half and uh, Cher was brought in on his injury Got substitution. It. Yeah, because, yeah, like, I mean, you're – I think the next move would have had to been is if we had two subs, you, I think you would have taken Almiron and Pinkerton off in that situation. Yeah. Um, Throwing Atsu in or something. But uh, it was Longstaff, Longstaff for Almiron, and we actually changed our formation a little bit. We put an extra player in the midfield. So this was, to me, it was 100% Bruce said, we're getting a point. Like, we're, bunk, we're setting in, and we're just going to get a point. We're not going for anything. And... And I like I've completely changed my mindset now, and I'm like, fine, that's perfect. Like, get the, get as many points as we can get. Like, I don't care how we play anymore. Uh, but it is weird at home against Southampton that that's become our mindset. But so it was it was Longstaff alongside alongside Hayden, and they were in front of Shelby, and then Saint Gucci Max was just playing off of Carroll, and like, and he was like central whole match pretty much yeah so it, it was a, a little unique formation and then it just like worked pretty much instantly and we scored <laughs> so it was it was terrible goalkeeping but uh it was a corner that was half cleared Gucci max played it back to willems on the left and he spread it to longstaff and he cranked about 20-ish yards uh, mccarthy parried it away and fernandez completely onside walked right up and he, he roofed it just to make sure that the uh, keeper couldn't McCarthy couldn't like actually save the rebound attempt. And it was a, just a great, great job. Great awareness by everyone. Everyone played their part there. Great shot by Longstaff and two to one Newcastle. Elijah holla at your boy. It was good to see Longstaff on the pitch. And I think there was, there's also a bit of a debate of, as to what the formation was. Cause I was seeing that there was, there was some right. I want to say Chris Waft, mentioned that it was a uh, four in the back formation um yeah and, i it was a weird one yeah but it but it's it was you know a four in the back formation that and then it's like i where does jetro willems fit in this but like <laughs> it but the the issue with the formation was that newcastle didn't play in it long enough for anyone to figure out what was actually going on because they essentially just bunkered for the win after we scored the goal. So it was like, even it, like it just didn't feel like a four in the back formation, or it didn't really feel like that much of a formation shift after the the shift actually happened. Because after Longstaff shot that was deflected and scored, I mean Newcastle just bunkered. Um, and shout out to Fetty Fernandez for again being in the right place at the right time, crashing the box after every shot, which is what you should do. That's that's what you teach everyone who's coming up playing the game. Um, is that after those shots, crash the box. Um, maybe you'll nick yourself a goal, and that's exactly what happened. Yeah. Interesting that he roofed the shot because that that's just you know that either does not work or it works. It's it's either a spectacular fail or just a beautiful piece of art. Yeah, um, McCarthy was coming across, and like, I mean, there was definitely other ways to put that ball like, to make sure it was going in. But, like, I, I feel like McCarthy did a decent job of closing the angles, but there was just too many different... I mean, it was just... 
it was literally just McCarthy and a wide open net. So it you would was, hope it was, that it we was could so score. fast too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I, to be fair, Longstaff shot wasn't bad. It was just also wasn't great. Like, and to be fair, McCarthy should be doing better with that. It was a shot that was on the ground, took a bounce. I took yeah, a slightly awkward bounce. But I honestly thought he would he would have been able to hold on to it. It was odd that he kind of fumbled it and parried it away. So, did you see that the camera angle from behind Longstaff? I did. So that's why I think it was so tough to save. And that ball, he hit it with his outside foot, and the ball went outside and curled to where McCarthy was originally. Yeah. So he like McCarthy originally was going out towards the post, and then came back. And then the ball was also low and was in that weird bouncing area. So, like, there was a lot of movement on that ball. And I yeah. think that's what made it so difficult to – I mean, yeah, he sh- a Premier League keeper should be able to handle that. But uh, I think for me it was more of the fact that you saw him. He had, like, his two hands were in the position to make the – like, basically make the save, but they, he just didn't. Yeah, yeah. Like, that was the weird thing is, like, he actually recovered somewhat well for it. He just – was not able to seal the deal completely, and that's the difference between Dubrovka and the rest of this league, man. You know, just apples and oranges. <laughs> this league. This league. <laughs> um, yeah, and that was it. Like, I think part of what we used the formation for at the end was just shoring up the middle defensively, um, and I, I think we were pretty confident that they weren't going to beat us on the wings. So we did that. We, we solved the victory. It was another three points. Carroll was incredible in this one uh but we did have the bad news of st gucci max's injury which it's going to be interesting to see how long he's out because we've also seen that in order for us to bunker we need him healthy and running and doing his thing on the counter because that's the only way we can get goals uh, so yeah two to one win i'm happy are you uh sure yeah we're all happy uh to get to some quotes Oh, Bruce, he said, in the first half, we looked like we had played three games in six days. Uh, I felt... That's what I felt happens we were... when you don't rotate your squad. Yes. Yeah. And when you play three games in six days. Yeah, it's just it's a, it's a fact. <laughs> yeah. I felt we were flat, and it was really... It was not really until we changed things at halftime and went higher up the pitch. We caused them some problems. They stu- They stuck at it. They showed a bit of spirit. We look jaded, we look tired, we look like a team that didn't have any energy. When you're a footballer, yes, you can play every day, but you can't play with the intensity you have to. And I think that was evident in the first half. The spirit is there for everyone to see. That's three times in a week we've come from behind, so it's great to see. Twice, that's referencing two times against Man City. The Saints. Why, why doesn't Steve Bruce follow his own advice? Ever. He like talks about things like, oh man, like it's gonna be tough for players to play with the same intensity after like playing three matches in six days, yet he does not rotate the squad. It just <laughs> it, it doesn't make any sense. I, I don't know. Hey, as long as he's winning. Sure. Until <laughs> you get situations like Sanguji Max getting injured. Yeah, Which, yeah. to be fair, like, I don't know if, even if he rotated, I don't know if Christian Atsu would have started that match. Because, like you said, St. Gucci Max has been so integral to this recent run of form um, that it's like, yep. you would imagine Almiron gets dropped before he does. Yeah, I would agree. Um, do you have any quotes? Oh, well, I just remember the Southampton quote, 
uh, uh, sorry, I almost said coach. Yeah. <laughs> I would have pissed off a lot of Brits listening to this. The Southampton manager, Ralph. Oh, Ralph. Ralph Hassenfoodle. He was upset and said that, you know, hoofing it up to a 10-foot-tall Andy Carroll isn't, you know, beautiful football or whatever. And it's just... <laughs> yeah. It's a that's a that's an all time take one uh, and two be, be, because first and foremost I don't know if anyone who's listening to this is aware of this but Andy Carroll is not in fact ten feet tall. Um, Andy Carroll also didn't score any of the goals we had, um, so just also just a very interesting take from him. But the most interesting part of that take is the fact that he complains about teams launching long balls when in fact the goal they scored was from a long ball. So. Uh, shout out to gold old Ralph here um, for just making himself look like a fool. Yeah, he also said that there was only one team playing football, and I went after him. Oh, I'm sure and, he read it too. Yeah, obviously. <laughs> and he said that uh, I I saw only one team playing football today. Sometimes this is a pity. We made a brave away game. We must be proud. The opponent was a little struggling. They played long balls to Carroll, who is ten feet tall. Everybody knows he is ten feet tall. <laughs> I like. I love that and, reassurance. Yeah. Everyone knows that Andy Carroll is. That 10 was feet very. Tall. That was very Trumpian. It, it was. It was like, folks, folks. That's the we know he's ten Andy feet Carroll. tall. <laughs> Everybody knows he's ten feet tall. Yeah. I've seen it. It's in all the history books. It's in all the newspapers. They're all Not talking nice. about it. Ten foot tall Andy Carroll, old ten foot Andy. <laughs> Gosh. So Ralph might be one of the first managers in history to lose when he was the only team playing football. Yeah. In, also in the sport lo- of football. First manager to lose to a ten foot tall opponent. As well. <laughs> yeah. Yes. A lot of that's, records. It's an all time quote. He, we should, we, we, everyone knows Andy Carroll's ten foot tall. <laughs> We, his nickname is now Ten Foot Andy. That's, yeah, that's it. Also, that's I it. think something that we just—I—I I might have mentioned it before, but like we just—I just love Steve Bruce's nicknames for players because they're just like so yep. simple, and yep. it's so Bruce. It's either just Fab. It's just <laughs> Fab it, is my favorite for sure. Fab, and then just like it's a shortened version of their name, or just Big or Little yeah. in front of the person's name. Oh, we got to get the ball up to Big Joe. And it's like, oh, I love it. I love it. Uh, stats now. Okay. Okay. All right. In the last eight seasons, after 16 matches, how many times have you had more than 22 points? I have no idea. Three. Oh. It was 2014 15, 2011 12. Hmm. That's it in the last eight years. So uh, we are now unbeaten in our last seven home games. We have three wins and four draws, and that's all since our 1 nothing loss to Arsenal on opening day. So since that opening day loss, we have not lost at home. Pretty awesome. That is great. Yeah, that's fantastic. Um,. We have also scored more than one goal in three successive Premier League matches, which is shocking considering we didn't score more than one goal in, like, all the others before that. That's another stat for you. John Joe, third straight game with a goal. 
He's our top scorer, has five on the season. And that's the most he scored in a season for Newcastle. Oh. Yeah, five. Uh, Betty, if that's his first home goal, so congrats. Andy, that's 100 competitive matches for Newcastle United. Yeah. He's yeah. only 78 away from uh, Paul Dummett. Yeah. That's his 39th from the bench, and he has 61 starts. So there's there's stats for you. Do you have any stats before I go to 538? Um, not really. You've been uh, you, you've had some nugs. Yeah, I've got more. I've got better preview nugs than uh mm-hmm. than review nugs. I, I forgot to do. I honestly, I'm gonna keep it real with you. I was gonna actually. I might do this for the next match. I was gonna because. I'm all about the Shelby streak and, and hashtag chasing Vardy. I'm going to find out who was the last Newcastle player match to have a goal-scoring streak. I want to say it's oh. Iose and that really good run of form we had this past spring. Yeah. That could be it. But I want to, you know, it could be a little adventure that we go on, you know? Yeah. Let, yeah, keep us updated on that. Maybe. Uh, 538. They predict how the season is going to go the rest of the year. We've moved up one, guys. We're no longer supposed to finish in 14th. It's 13th. Oh. We moved up again. Total of 45 points by the end of the year, they're saying. Um, that will, puts us one ahead of Burnley. Uh, we'll be tied on points with Brighton. And uh, so 12th would be Brighton. 11th would be Sheffield United. And 10th would be Crystal Palace. They still have Everton finishing in ninth. By the way. So let's see. They they have Everton as a four percent chance of getting relegated. Newcastle with a ten percent chance. Uh oh. Time out. Uh oh. I have a stat for you. What is it? Okay. Two stats for you. Actually, three stats. One is a continuation from our last stat from our last pod, which yep. was the Southampton. Uh, 12 goal, uh, 12 Premier, last 12 Premier League goals have been scored by an Englishman. Well, because Danny Ings scored, that's now 13. Oh, so, good one, good one. Yeah, that's that's just piggybacking off my own success. Um, here's one. Ings is the third player to score in five consecutive Premier League games for Southampton, uh, which is cool for them. Uh, John Joe Shelby, six goals in his last 12 appearances. His his previous six Premier League goals were spread across 116 matches. Whoa! So Whoa. he's yeah. And then uh, here's here's one that I actually think is the most interesting. Uh, Saint Gucci Max attempted 18 dribbles against Southampton. The last Newcastle player to attempt as many Premier League dribbles in one match was you. You can guess this player. Hayden Panarfa. Yes. Precisely, 2013 against Stoke City. Oh man, I might have been able to guess that game even. Yeah, you might have joking. Actually, yeah. <laughs> I honestly should have asked Dang. just to see if you. Yeah, but um, yeah, I remember that game. <laughs> yeah, no, he is insane. Uh, yeah, but yeah, there you go. Um, cool Premier League table. We're in 11th, tied with tied with Arsenal and Sheffield United. Like, that is just crazy. Like, we're after 15 matches, and we're tied on points with Sheffield United and Arsenal. 
<laughs> that's just wild to think about. But that's how it is. It's better than we all thought right now. And we're 11 points ahead of bottom. And we're five points ahead of 18th. We're four points from your Europa spot. Wolves has that at 23. Is it too early to ask the question of if Steve Bruce finishes this season mid-table, would you want to look at a new manager or are you fine with keeping Steve Bruce? Essentially, do you think this is the fluke year and like next season will be tougher for Newcastle under Steve Bruce? Um, well, I, I continue to say if we, I mean, if we don't get more investment, then yeah, it will definitely be tougher for him. But yeah, if he gets, if he, if he finishes tenth, he's got to stay. Yeah. I mean, you can't fire somebody for that. Um, Elijah, your best player. Yeah. Um. So this is a interesting one. Um. I think I think it's easy to say John Joe, but I, I think St. Maxman had just a really good a good match overall. Um just really involved, uh and like you kind of said, it, his importance to the team is just on on display every match. Uh defenders can't they can't defend against him and um it, it's something that he's taken advantage of. I think he understands that at some point uh, Premier League defenders are going to learn how to defend against them, and he's just taking advantage and trying to create opportunities for his fellow teammates. And I think he overall had a very solid match. Um, but yeah, I have some runner up, runners, runner ups, runners up. Um, so yeah, you can uh, you can go ahead and give yours, and I can give some more comments if needed. Yeah, I think my answer I've kind of alluded to already. It's Andy Carroll, and yeah. which is kind of crazy because. He didn't. He played a third of the match, but he really made that much of a difference. The, the we were destined for no goals, and he came on and completely changed that. And he played phenomenally. I think like that was an elite performance from him. Uh, he got an assist too, uh, and the, that was for the first goal. So it's just what a difference maker that substitution was. He also like I don't know. He was just everywhere. I mean, he's ten feet tall. Andy Carroll, more Everyone assists than our uh, our starting front three combined. <laughs> yeah. So. Yep. Oh, I also um, let's see. Uh, I think John Joe definitely deserves a shout. Uh, he's he played yeah. well. I think unlike the last match where his goal saved him from a bad performance, uh, it felt like he deserved a goal after this performance. Uh, he just. He was solid all around. Um, he was asked to defend, and he actually did it. So, shout out to him. And then Martin Dubrovka is just so good, and we are lucky to have him. He is a saint, and yeah. I don't know. I just I don't know what we're going to do when he's not there. Hopefully, Freddie Woodman's the truth, um, because next season Martin Dubrovka will be at PSG. <laughs> so uh, just... Also, for like the un- unsung heroes, like just continually to put in workman efforts Isaac Hayden yeah sure. Isaac Hayden as well oh and Fetty Fernandez has been Fetty, brilliant yeah. he's just been so good um uh, yeah not concerned and at all but this ha- was definitely Jetro's worst match since, it was Jetro's since he worst lined match. up in a different position than he thought <laughs> that was 
Also, that's that's one of the moments I can look back and laugh at. It was just like him. His first appearance was just probably it was probably, probably the worst debut. As, yeah, it, it was like it's one. It is one of the worst debuts of any Newcastle player ever. Um, and I don't know. Antonio Barreca had a pretty bad one as well. It was only five minutes. Yeah, which is why it was so bad. <laughs> and and he well, that one's actually just more funny than it is bad because he's the only Newcastle player to debut at Wembley Stadium. And he just like that's a stat that will just live on with him forever. That's like a that's a that's a um oh, spoiler alert, that's a Toon Army um American meetup trivia question right there. Is who's the only Newcastle player to make his debut at Wembley Stadium? Yeah. So, but yeah. And uh, play their only match. Jethro had an awful match, but yeah. Yeah. But it's all good because next match it'll be fine. All rested up, all that good stuff. So. Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, We're going to go to questions now. And we are going to do that right after this break. Your questions, you want to know, we'll give you the answers. Brought to you by Sheevis Regal. (laughs) <laughs> Probably. Which I've not. It's not found. always about. It's not always that ad though, so we could be wrong. No, I know. I it, but we do. I've listened to the last few episodes, and we get that ad once it's, at least. It's, it's yeah, like once the, or twice. Yeah, it's used to first. It's usually the first or second ad. Yeah. Which is, but I always mention it during the last like. After <laughs> yeah. The last. When it's just like not that. It's just not. <laughs> but that. it could be. Yeah. <laughs> I've got to get the, some Chivas Regal and drink it during the pod. Yeah. I can send you... Uh, no, I, I can't. I can. I, I don't think you... Can you send people alcohol? You can. Oh. Don't do it, though. That seems dangerous. Or do it. It's up to you, man. Or I can at least... I can just go to Liquor World and hold it under your name. Oh. I, yeah. I didn't even know that was a thing. Yeah. Nice. That's how when I pay up bets um, to my friends, it's usually involving alcohol. So I'll just call up the liquor world by their house and just buy them a bottle and leave it under their name for pickup. Well, I think I'll do that for you, Greg. I'll get you a Christmas gift as well. Oh, look at that! Yeah, this is this is true friendship. You'll never yeah. get this anywhere else. Tis tis I friendship. Even, I don't even know where liquor world is. So, oh man, you need to learn. There's definitely one in Atlanta. Oh, no, there's there's three. Okay, good. All right, well, there we go. Um, the first question from Toon Army Denver mm-hmm. at Mile High Magpies. Shout is out to possession, those guys. Is possession percentage overrated? It is. It is. <laughs> um, I think it definitely is. And I think there is Elijah and I have had conversations about this. The advanced stats. Some people love it. Some people hate it. Um, the the soccer is way further behind than other sports in advanced statistical metrics. And I think possession is just a meaningless metric because clearly, if it if it did, did mean something, then we wouldn't be this successful with this little possession. So it's about just taking opportunities and the chances. So I would love to see like a, a stat created about like like um, attack rate or like expected goals versus chance volume of chances or something like that. 
that's that's the stat that we should be measuring for Newcastle. Like, how many opportunities in total do we have? And then what is our expected goal in just those opportunities? Like, specifically, like per opportunity. Uh, I bet you that Newcastle is pretty high in comparison to the rest. Because, like, Southampton, they had the ball for, like, for probably 60 minutes of that match. Maybe, or well, actually, what was it? It was, did we have, did we have less than 30? Um, let me look real quick. Actually, it was not bad. It was forty-five fifty-five according to BBC. Oh, was it? Yeah, okay, I was. So, I was going to mention that earlier. Like well, it did, felt like Southampton are so bad at keeping possession that Newcastle actually had yeah. more possession than people thought. And but, we we had a lot of the ball uh, when Carroll came on too. We also have way more. We had more shots on target than them. 12 yeah. shots total. I mean, honestly, like you said, it is about the opportunities you create when you have the ball. And and on that note, Leicester City's championship season, just if you look at any articles during then, everyone talks about their lack of possession and how it's just bizarre for a champion, but they like there was a moment in this in this season that they were like they had 40% possession per match. 40%. Yeah. And uh they won the league. Um, and created 32 goals midway through February just between two players. Um, so it's a, uh, it's it's certainly I think it is an overrated stat. Um, if you know what you're doing, um, it could hurt Newcastle in the long run though. If um because there there's a level of like yes these are Rafa's tactics, but at some point people are going to adapt to it and be able to break it down. And Steve Bruce is going to have to find a way to score goals and, and create opportunities for Newcastle once that happens because it is inevitable. There's no perfect system. If there was a perfect system, then like there would only be one winner of every single trophy in the world because they would have run that perfect system. So um, at some point, Newcastle are going to have to change how they play. But for now, yeah, possession doesn't matter. And as long as we're staying safe and we're playing our roles and we're not getting relegated, I'm not going to complain. But when it gets to a point where we're losing possession battles and not creating any chances, then it's like, all right, time to look at things, change things up. Yeah, I, I think if teams got actual numbers based on like like per possession – uh, opportunity to score that's that's what you're looking at and i think t- teams would change their philosophy if they saw those numbers because they yeah. would see newcastle's probably at the top of the table with that or cl- near yeah it's i'm not saying we you know be first, it, it but kinda... because man city had how many opportunities against us and they scored just as much as we did like so like our value our expected goals per possession is way higher than man city's so it's like, what is Man City really doing then? If they're just going to pass the ball around for forty minutes a match and not and still like not create anything, like that's pointless. To me. So it reminds yeah. me of the uh, that like that that explanation reminds me of like um, the Houston Rockets, where um, everyone hates the Houston Rockets offense because like this is, we're getting an NBA talk, which. If you're not an NBA fan, I'm sorry. You're missing out on one of the most fun leagues to watch ever. Um, But people hate the Houston Rockets offense, but it is statistically, like, the most efficient way to run an offense, like, ever. Because all they do is jack up three-pointers all the time. And it's like, yeah, it's annoying to watch. 
but at the end of the day, they're making the most of the opportunities they have on offense by by being wise about the shots they take and trying to yield the most points as possible per possession, which is essentially what Newcastle are doing is that, yeah, having 20% possession isn't great, but they're they're taking advantage of the fact that they have set pieces and they're taking advantage of the fact that when they attack, they're going to attack in numbers and they're going to drive, you know, drive some guys forward and hopefully score a goal or two. So it is, it's yeah. interesting and I like it. I love statistics, not as much as Greg, but I do like them. No, it's, it's pretty interesting to get inside of like, like just the inner workings of what's happening on the field. Like the, the statistic that truly matters is, is goals. Like that's, this, that will always trump anything that we ever say statistically. But wins. there's a lot of things that you wins. can learn. Wins will trump everything. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there's a lot of things you can learn by diving into advanced stats. So in possession, and I think one of the things you learn is that possession is overrated. It's just, it's more of like what you're doing with that possession is what we should be looking at, not how much possession you have. That's a, that's a trope Random in every sport, run, too. Yeah. Uh, Smith Ultra. At Smick Ultra, Don says, hopefully you haven't started recording yet. Well, here we are. Here no, we are, Don. We, we didn't record at 9.30. Here we are. I didn't even texted Greg like at the time Smick Ultra had asked the question. <laughs> um, do you think this run is sustainable or is it in- inevitable that we fall off? I say that two things need to happen. For it to be sustainable. Steve Bruce needs to keep playing this style the entire way. And the other thing is no more injuries. I would add a third thing. I think that the only way this style is sustainable is if we get noticeable development out of the front three. If they if they don't oh, take a, a step one. forward, I like then I don't think that we actually are able to... St- because, I mean scoring whatever it is 13 or 14 goals from defenders is is a bit ridiculous um it's not as ridiculous to have john joe shelby as a leading scorer when you consider he takes a lot of set pieces um and you know when you consider that like you know he's a midfielder that shoots the ball a lot but it is a little bit concerning and off kilter that your front three has what two goals combined between the three of them um and i think an assist uh, so it's it's not great, and I do think that they have to take a step forward. Um, and, and I think it will happen as the season goes on and they get more comfortable. You can already tell that they're a little bit more comfortable on the ball, but it, it's not sustainable if they don't take a step forward because the thing we were so, we were so excited about is the potential of this counterattack with these front three. So if they're not performing, then it kind of goes... Yeah. No, I, I think you actually hit it spot on because they, yes, in order to sustain this, they have to be developing way better. I, yeah, I think you hit it straight on the head. Perfect. Um, Trevor Mooney, the official question ARCHN Radio, at Trevor Mooney 12, says, who needs a jolly holiday hug from St. Nick the most after this weekend? Number one, St. Gucci. Number two, the Saints. The soccer team. Or the Saints, the football team. Dude, NSFW, fuck the New Orleans Saints. I don't give a shit about them at all. Like, I, who cares? 
Oh my god. Uh, Trevor, you should be banned from asking about New Orleans Saints. Uh, you know that I'm from Atlanta, and I... Oh, gosh. So, just... Oh my gosh. Oh, I... Ugh. Well, it's not... It's not who do you think needs a hug. It's who needs the hug more. No, it doesn't matter who... They don't deserve hugs, dude. <laughs> they had Bounty Gate, and, and they're just the most annoying, like... All they do is complain, and then when, like, uh, I'm just, I'm done. I don't want to get into a whole Saints ramble because I could talk about how much I hate the New Orleans Saints for, like, probably seven years straight. I could talk about it, and I'm just not going to because people don't listen to podcasts for seven years. They listen to it for, like, an hour and a half. So we'll just leave it at that. The answer to Trevor's question is the Saints, the Southampton Saints, because they – they need a hug because they seem to think they were the only team that played football that match. So, um, and it was unfair that we had a ten foot tall striker. Yeah, like you, like we have. A, it's just not <laughs> fair for them. So they deserve a hug. Yeah, I, I can't imagine the stress that they were going through there. Ten feet tall strikers. I and... just that ten foot tall striker quote is just so funny. <laughs> it's just like, Let, like can we ex- please call him ten foot Andy from uh, now on, Greg? Sure. I mean, you're going to call him that from the, uh, like, it's not like we have a choice. Oh, yeah. Yes. That's also true. Yeah. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> like, you've created every nickname on this podcast, and I've just gone with it. Yeah. So. Guilty. <laughs> it's not a bad thing. You have good, you have good nickname skills. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Do you have anything else? Um, no. Uh, up the mags. Uh, shout out to all the people who are out there doing good work. Alright, well... Wait. Oh. Wait, what's, what's the Newcastle schedule for the rest of the year? I guess we played, of... we played this weekend, right? Yeah. Okay, yeah, we played good. Burnley. We're at Burnley. Ugh, that's gonna this be... This weekend. Can you that's talk good. about... That's gonna be the, probably... Just, the they're most... gonna drop the pitch, the, drop the ball in the middle of the pitch, and then both teams are gonna sit there. That's <laughs> just gonna minutes. suck. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Man, ugh. the first touch is going to be made in the 81st minute. Gosh, wow, um, that is so going to be brutal. Oh man! For the rest of the year, we're at Burnley. Then a week later, we're home against Crystal Palace, and then we have a Thursday night at Man United. The boxing match then, at Man United, yeah. And then the following Saturday, which is still crazy, versus Everton. So we're going to play on Thursday and Saturday. So. And we're not even nice. a we're not even in Europe. Like we're not even a good team to have crazy schedules. But even the Europa teams, they move them to Sundays. Yeah. <laughs> well, and then we'll play. Us. So we'll also play. So after we'll play on a Thursday, a Saturday, and the following Wednesday against Leicester, and then that following Saturday in the FA Cup. It, so isn't that following Wednesday, New Year's Day? Yeah, oh. we play on New Year's Day, home against Leicester. Yeah, this is going to be a. This is going to be so tough we'll have steepers. one, two, three, well, four matches in that eight, nine days. Four matches in ten days. Nine or ten days, I can't count. Um, that's a lot. Yeah, it's a lot. Shout out to us. Yeah, I I don't know why I I I just assumed that like we weren't doing any podcasts for the rest of the year, which is <laughs> I don't know why I assumed that we're we're doing was, a lot. I was about to say, like, happy holidays to everyone, but, like, <laughs> trust me, we'll be there for every single holiday you have this season, this, yeah. like, this Christmas season, so, uh, yeah. So, All right. Thanks. Well, that concludes 
episode 101 of CHN Radio. I'm your host, Greg Troxell. That is the best damn co-host in the land, Elijah Newsom. And it's 10.25 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on January 9th. 2019 To be a Jody and to live in Jody land. Some people think we're bawdy and we're hard to understand. And they say it's just self pity and we're not so very tough. Cause the people in the big fat city haven't had it tough as rough. I'm coming home, Newcastle. You can keep your London wine. I'd walk the streets all day. I'll meet for a bottle of the river time. I'm coming home. Newcastle, I wish I'd never been away. I'd kiss the ground for the welcome sound in me mother saying, Hey, how we I'm coming home. Then I miss the old blind busker who stands at Phoenix door. He plays a mean accordion, you've all seen him there before. The Geordie heroes, there's so many famous names Like Linda Swan and Gaza, Brendan Foster and the Gateshead Games I'm coming home, Newcastle, I might as well have been in jail I'd walk the streets all day, I'll need for a bottle of your own brown ale I'm coming home, Newcastle, if you never win the cup again I'll brave the dog at St James's Park at the Gallagher's end in the rain I'm coming home, Newcastle, you can keep your London wine I'd walk the streets all day, I'll meet for a bottle of the river tide I'm coming home, Newcastle, I wish I'd never been away I'd kiss the ground for the welcome sound in me mother saying, hey, how we I'm coming home, Newcastle, I might as well have been in jail Walk the streets all day, I'll meet for a bottle of your own brown ale. I'm coming home, Newcastle. If you never win the cup again, I'll brave the darkest in James's Park at the Gallagher's end of the river.